Life Audio. Welcome to another enlightening episode of the Homeschooling Families Podcast. We hope we're becoming your go-to source for insightful conversations on homeschooling, family life, and raising children who are grounded in their faith and well-prepared for life. I'm your host, Leslie Nunnery, and today we have a truly exceptional guest who will shine light on a topic that's at the forefront of our minds in today's crazy culture, and that is gender and identity. But before we dive into this profound discussion, I want to take a moment to share some exciting news with you. For the past 13 years, Teach Them Diligently has been on a mission to empower Christian families to embrace their role in the Great Commission. We believe that as parents, we are called to share Jesus' love and disciple our children within the walls of our home. That's why I am thrilled to announce that our upcoming events taking place next May in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee and Branson, Missouri, will revolve around the theme of Our Mission is Greater. It's a celebration of our mission as Christian parents and a reminder that our calling is more significant than any curriculum, academic achievement, or limitation we might face. Together, we'll explore how trusting God's great plan for our families is the key to success, and I encourage you to get your ticket now and start making your plans to join us there. Find more details and secure your ticket at teachthemdiligently.net. Now, let's get back to today's episode. Our distinguished guest, Dr. Kathy Cook, is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids Incorporated and a recognized authority in parenting, education, and family relationships. She has influenced thousands of parents, teachers, and children worldwide through her engaging speaking style and practical insights. Dr. Kathy's work has been featured on Focus on the Family Radio and other platforms, And she has authored six books, including Screens and Teens and Eight Great Smarts. Her latest book, Start with the Heart, offers valuable guidance for motivating kids to be compassionate, responsible, and brave in today's world. In this episode, we're diving deep into the crucial topic of gender and identity. Dr. Kathy will provide us with wisdom and insights on how to navigate this complex issue as Christian homeschooling families. It's a conversation you won't want to miss. So whether you're a parent seeking guidance or an understanding and nurturing your child's identity or someone passionate about the intersection of faith and family, you're in for a treat. Stay tuned and join us as we explore this thought-provoking discussion with our esteemed guest, Dr. Kathy Cook. Hey, you guys, welcome back. I am especially excited about our guest today. This lady that is with us today, Dr. Kathy Cook, is just one of my favorite people on the planet. I have been so blessed to get to know her. I have been blessed to do events with her. I've been blessed to sit across the table and just hear her heart. And I am so excited for you to hear from her today. If you've not yet met her, You're in for a great treat. If you have already met her, you know what you're in for. So Dr. Kathy, welcome to the podcast today. I am so glad you're here. Well, I'm honored to be here. Happy that you invited me back to the show, Leslie. I respect you and David and your kids, and I'm happy to be here. 
Well, I am. I'm so glad. You know, it really. I was thinking as I was preparing for this episode, there are certain relationships that God gives us that just mean so much, and there's a redemptive element to it. There's there's just there is a power in the relationships that we have with brothers and sisters, and you are one of those relationships that I am just so grateful for for a myriad of reasons, not the least of which is the the talks that you give and the insights that you share with the parents that we serve is so helpful and profound. And I am grateful that God has allowed us to to serve alongside you for the last several years. Well, thank you for those honoring comments. I'm glad to be a part of your action because you put me in a position where I can be influential. So, you know, my idea is you know, don't do any good if I don't have a microphone in front of me. And, you know, you and David have honored me with platform and I've enjoyed the 365 one-on-one conversations. I just appreciate that we get to disciple parents. I mean, parenting is hard. Parenting has never been easy, but it's gotten much more complex today because the family dysfunction is real. And, you know, my mom and dad had their parents living close by that were good representations of how to parent and family values being passed on. And, you know, the church was a steady influence in our culture. That's not even true so much anymore. And we have, you know, I like to say that the liar is loud and he's everywhere, or it seems that he's everywhere. And so, you know, I I think, you know, the the joke I used to say that, because I founded my ministry to help parents, I used to say that, you know, they would teach you how to give birth you know, diaper, feed, and bathe, and then they send you home with this human. Exactly. You know? there's, oh my gosh! There's no guidelines for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and and yet the Bible is is full of guidelines. You and I know that it it won't tell you, you know, the specific brand of something to buy, but man, it'll teach you a whole lot of truth. And we, you know, we're positioned through teach them diligently in your ministry to to do that. So it's a real honor and a real privilege because parents. Parents need to know it's okay to ask for help. Parents, I mean, like I'm proud of every parent listening to the podcast because it is complex and it is okay to say, I've never done this before. Of course, you've never done it before. The oldest child is the guinea pig. It really is true. Yeah. Well, and even I have found that even with my older three, the world was very different than it is now, like four years later with my younger one who you know, the the realities and the conversation of her or that she is faced with in high school, my older three, though it was brewing, it was not on steroids like it is now. And and where you noted that the liar is loud, the liar is loud with a megaphone right now. And he has control of all of this messaging that our kids and parents are getting. And there is such confusion and and just chaos in our culture. It's hard, I imagine, for for all of us parents to even find our way through sometimes. Well stated. Yeah. So what have you in I, I know that you engage with parents, you engage with a lot of teachers, you engage with a lot of of teenagers. You get to speak with Summit. And so you're you're talking regularly to some really highly motivated young people. What are you hearing about the struggles that they are having that that us as parents really need to understand and really need to key into so that we're able to effectively shepherd their hearts and help them wade through the lies that are they're facing day in and day out. Yeah, I appreciate that question. Well, it won't surprise anybody to know if I say, you know, gender and sexuality come up often in conversations. I tell young people I'm single and more than satisfied and they're stunned by that. So they're like, are, are you are you lonely a lot? And, you know, 
How can you be happy? So we have that conversation. And uh, the other thing, you know, in general, Leslie, I think there's just an identity, a big identity question mark, like who am I and why am I the who I am? And as you know, I, I talk about that a lot. And one of the reasons they're confused about their identity is that they don't know what they're going to do in the future. Many of us who were younger, we had a, a clearer set plan. We College was, you know, on the plan and maybe we knew we were going to go to a Big Ten school or a state school. And, you know, our major was was formed in us earlier. There weren't as many options when I was younger. Right. Today's young people have so many options. In fact, many of them graduating now will have a job that doesn't yet exist. So to ask them about what do you want to do when you grow up is almost, you know, irrelevant. And because they're multi-talented, multi-passionate, multi-concerned, because they've seen the brokenness of our big world, they don't know where they want to land. They don't know, do they want to solve the trafficking problem or the abortion problem or the dropout problem or the divorce problem or the elderly being ignored problem? And so they, they're they overwhelmed by that. They don't know how to make a choice. They want to stay happy. So the fact that they are confused about their future in general, I think, adds to this dilemma of you know, identity and why am I the who I am and why did God make me me and do I have an extra moment and what would it possibly be? Wow. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And yeah, that that question of identity, especially when there are so many competing views on that. And I know that even, you know, at a Christian homeschool co-op that my daughter is in, that all of my other ones went through, you still see kids who are deeply, deeply struggling with this concept of identity, which just flies in the face of it couldn't happen here in Oz, right? It can't, it can't yeah. happen to us Christian homeschool families, but, but it is. Our kids are still faced with the exact same lies. We, that I think that the privilege that we have and, and the responsibility that we need to take very, very seriously is we have a platform with them to help shepherd them through this, but my assumption would be and my gut and what I've experienced with my own kids is that by dismissing or not actually engaging in really difficult conversations with your kids, you're doing a lot more harm than actually giving them the taking the time to hear their even horrifying things that may come out of their mouth, but listen and engage with them and then give them scripture and and truth to combat those lies rather than just dismissing getting angry and running away. After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. Oh, please uh, preach that from the hilltop. Absolutely. We do need to be available. We do need to listen and to listen without fear, which I imagine is really hard to listen with the confidence that God is giving you in his word and in his presence and in your story. You know, those of us who have lived longer in a relationship with God know about his faithfulness and we know that confusing times exist, but that doesn't give us a right to be confused. If I can say that, you know, do we know the truth and does the truth in fact set us free? Do we believe that Genesis one twenty seven is true, that God is creator and he does create male and female? Do we believe in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, the verses that you put into a counted cross stitch above your baby's crib? Do you believe that that's true today, that your child was knit together in your womb, all the inward parts? And do you believe that God is a good strategic intentional creator? And what's the proof of that? You know, for parents who are listening who have littles, start talking now about created and creator. Use the noun creator 
when you talk about God and use the verb created. I'm so glad you were created to be thoughtful. I'm so glad you were created to love your sister well. I'm so glad you were created to enjoy building with Legos. I love that about you. Let's build something together. And that's that's just a powerful thing. And then you don't have to sit there and say, now, Jonathan, the reason I'm telling you that is, no, right. you just you just use the verbiage, you know, really, really carefully. And and you make sure that myths aren't believed and that stereotypes are are trashed and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, listen, listen with truth. If you don't have the answer to the question, that's OK. But then we get help. We speed dial our pastor. We take courses in apologetics. We come to teach them diligently conferences. We, you know, ask people who are more learned than we are about some things. But we don't we don't shy away from the real questions. It doesn't if a child asks a question about gender and sexuality, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're struggling. They may actually have compassion for a friend yes. and praise God. Don't you want them to have compassion? They may be um, angry about the confusion that they feel because none of us like being confused. And we, who are their parents and loved ones, ought to be the safest people for them to come to. So true. And I love the way that you noted that confusing times exist, but that doesn't give us time to be confused or, or we we don't need to be confused. Yeah. You know, that 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 fear element, that confusion element really should be one of the the things that drive us as parents to our knees, should yeah. make us recognize our need to be in God's word, to to be actually praying scripture for our children. I I talk an awful lot about that, but it's amazing to me as I prayed scripture specifically for my children, praying what God says in his own word that he wants for my kids. Yeah. Then when I was in situations where I was tempted to be fearful or not even tempted, where I was fearful, I wasn't just tempted, <laughs> I, was, I was scared to death. <laughs> but I was in those situations, I was always awestruck by the words that God would give me, knowing full well that is him answering those prayers that I have prayed for years for my children. And God gives parents wisdom and direction, and he brings things to mind. But as a parent, it's incumbent upon us to be putting those things in our mind, to be preparing ourselves to give an answer when our kids are confused. And that is that is something that I think so many overlook or step over as as they yeah. just want quick answers. They just want, you know, just tell me what the checklist is for how to deal with this. But really, it's a lot deeper than that. Oh, that's such good wisdom. And you remind me to say, too, to our listeners, that when a child comes to us with a question, don't assume that you know where the question's coming from. Yes. Uh, just like when a three-year-old says, where do babies come from? You don't give them an OBGYN lesson. You try to predict, why is my kid curious about this now? And, and what would satisfy his little heart or her heart? So when a preteen or a teen comes to us with questions about this, we don't assume things. But what I want us to do is listen longer. Mm -hmm. And as you know, in my workshop about conversations about tough stuff, I recommend that parents say, you know, keep talking, you know, tell me more. So let them give you the context of their concern, or the context of their curiosity, so that now you know what it is that you should be saying first, second, and third. You know, sometimes your experience is going to bless their socks off. You know, your time when you were confused as a kid or the way that you dealt with a coworker who was confused and how did you have a conversation about truth without even using scripture because you know that he might have rejected it. Right. And then how do you directly answer a preteen or a teen's question about, you know, why God is allowing this to happen now or how should I handle this kid in my school who's transitioning and wants me to call him by her new name? I don't know how to handle that, mom. 
those are tough questions. And it's okay to say, I'm not sure. Let's think about it together. But listen longer and, and get the context of what's going on there so that we can offer the truth that they're ready to hear. Oh, absolutely. That we found so often. Yeah, I was I was I counseled at a Christian camp when I was younger. And one of the things that they told us at that time that has stuck with me forever was that questions prick the conscience, but accusations harden the will. And Uh-oh. David and I used that all the way through as we parented our kids, because so often as you ask more questions, as you, you know, you encourage them to talk more, you're, you're not only getting more of the root of what's going on, but you're also helping them work through what's at the root. Cause a lot of times with a kid, they don't even understand why they're struggling with something or why, you know, and, and like you noted, for so many, there is a compassion for a friend that gets all muddy in what is right, what is wrong. How do I love that? You told me to love people. How do I love this person who is made in God's image? And, you know, at what point do I stop affirming or or how do I help them or whatever? There's a lot of confusion for them too. And when we just cut off those conversations because it's black and white, people, we're we're really doing a very great disservice to our child, to giving them a foundation for something to stand on for years to come, but also for our understanding of the situation and the heart of our kids. Yeah. So well stated, you know, it. I, I think we need to remember that First Corinthians 13, the famous love passage is not just for marriage ceremonies and it's not just for husbands and wives. You know, do we love our kids and do we help them love friends? with patience and kindness and goodness? And are we long-suffering? And what does that look like? And to really know how we can love without worrying about affirming. You know, we can love people without agreeing with their decisions. And and maybe, you know, something that we need to kind of say here, Leslie, is that we're talking about something that is difficult and complex and makes people nervous. And acting on uh, same-sex attraction is sinful. Any heterosexual sexual sin is sin. Hello. Any, you know, if I can, you know, any homosexual sexual sin is sin. So is gluttony. And so is pride. And so is lying. And so is, you know, cheating. And so is, so, so are so many other things. And so if we raise up our children to know from the very beginning or now from here on, if we're late to this, there's never too late to teach the truth and love and to have a standard for truth and righteousness and to understand that sin is real and temptation is around every corner. And that's why we pray, as you said, for our kids. And that's why we teach scripture and we also have compassion. I think if we talk about all sin being unloving toward God, if we talked about God, if we talked about loving God more and not wanting to hurt his heart, we would sin less. And if we didn't make this the big, biggest ugly spider in the room, if you will, I, I just think it would be so much easier. I hope I'm I hope I'm making sense. It is ugly. It is difficult to think about our children and grandchildren and our friends being persuaded to believe that they could change their gender or that a same-sex marriage would be fulfilling and right for them. Those are real issues that are uh, difficult. But I would hope that seeing a child as prideful is also difficult right. and that we would deal with that correctly and that we would then be teaching them how to deal with all sin temptations correctly from the very beginning. Right, right. Well, and I I so appreciate your bringing that out because as as parents, as parents on mission especially, we should be consistent in the way that we are we are teaching our kids. And and 
in the sight of God, although there are, you know, in our side, there are different ramifications, yeah. there are stigmas, there's all this stuff. But in the sight of God, like you noted, sin is sin. And so when I have a child who freaks out because that math lesson is hard and her bro- for her brothers, it came easy. And she's so competitive that not being able to do it as well as her brothers was really, really a stress point for her. That's not a math problem. That's a pride problem. And that's something that we had to deal with for within a young child. And as you are asking God to give you insight into the struggles that they have all along the way, you're equipping them to start to think biblically. Those more complex conversations that you have about those big issues that are so difficult and that are so scary actually become a lot easier because you've already trained them. We go to God's word to find what is our proof of what is right and what is wrong. Thank you for saying that so beautifully. Absolutely. For a parent to choose to see beyond the surface, to be to go beyond the obvious and, and yep. ask God to reveal to us, okay, what's going on here? And if the kids are old enough to say, hey, what's going on here? Sometimes our kids, let them say, oh, mommy, I'm prideful. Let them have the victory of identifying the sin issue. And you really congratulate them for their discernment and then say, how would you like to now respond? now that you've recognized that it's a heart issue and teach them to discern and then go right to God with that. And Father God, I'm so sorry. Would you lift this sin from me and teach me, you know, how to behave moving forward or whatever it is that would be, again, age appropriate for the kids. Oh, yeah. And all of that is built little by little. You don't start by parenting teenagers most of the time. You start by parenting littles and God grows you even as he's growing your children. And that is a wonderful, wonderful gift that God gives us that we aren't expected, again, most of the time to be thrown into the deep end. We are actually grown right along with our kids. And so as we're investing all along the way, we are given insight into them. We are building that platform, that depth of relationship that pays off so, so well as you're having those more difficult, complex conversations. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Hey, do you want to get into some more specifics about the gender and sexuality thing? Yes, I would love to hear some more. What's on my heart as, as I'm hearing our conversation is to remind our listeners to boldly live loudly and confidently in your gender before your kids. One of the reasons that girls are being persuaded to transition to men is that they feel weak. Girls are the ones who are abused. Girls are the ones who are raped. Girls are the ones who are supposed to submit. Girls are the ones who are chosen last, if you will. I'm not, I'm not making this kind of stuff up. And so they have uh, believed this lie that if they were to become boys, change their name, change their appearance, change their wardrobe, and maybe even take as sad as it is, medication and do a surgical harm, they think they will now be strong and no one will hurt them. And that's that's understandable, frankly, if you look at where the liar is taking our culture. And it's so disappointing because women can submit and be strong. Yes. Women can be joyful and happy and intelligent and in so many ways. And so our women need to stand up and model strength. We need to model recovery if a woman has, in fact, been teased or bullied to stand up and recognize that you don't need to succumb to that. And let's teach our girls how to use their words well and how to stand in the confidence of their gender. And of course, there's there's more that we can say there. But what's your reaction to that? Have you experienced that, Leslie, in any of the work that you do? 
You know, that is actually something that I hadn't thought of, though it makes a whole lot of sense. I just hadn't put the pieces together. And then conversely, I think that you're seeing such a an attack on manhood yes. that, you know, the guys are are struggling very similarly. But those are two connections that I had not actually made at all. So I really appreciate you bringing those up. I Thank you. We're seeing that in our middle schools. Unfortunately, wow. the other thing that we're seeing is that what, what's called rapid onset gender dysphoria, where somebody's never thought about it before, but all of a sudden wants to change gender. That rapid onset is happening because of a lie that's being uh, believed in the moment. And one of the other really big lies is that belonging is more important than security and identity. And so if children are lonely, if children are isolated, if children have been told they have no friends or not enough friends, or if children are unfriendly or children feel lost in the, you know, the pool of, of kids. If we think about how large some of our schools are to now, if you've got your kid in a school situation, they feel lost, but they have observed the culture of the school and maybe even sadly a youth group enough to know if I come out as gay or bi or trans, I will be the popular one and I will have my red carpet moment and I'll have my locker you know, decorated. And sadly, that will happen in some situations. And sadly, it will not last. So now they're going to look for the next adrenaline fix, if you will. But how tragic that they're desperate for belonging and they choose that group of what looks to be a fun, vital group of people. So let's make sure that our children are secure in relationships. And that starts with us in the home, secure in who they are so they can present themselves to others who are also like them and bond well. Like I was a band geek. All my friends in high school and college, I went to the college, I went to the March of the Band. True story. Got a degree on the side, you know. So do your kids know enough about who they are so they can find a group in a homeschool co-op, in a youth group, in a children's church, you know, in a neighborhood where they are going to fit in and not desperately try to change something about themselves that they should be letting alone. Yeah. Again, so many things that, that, Sadly, well, not really sadly. I, I'm I'm thankful that it's been so outside of my experience. Like I, I never struggled with who I was. I didn't see my kids struggle with who they were, and I would make the assumption. And I I throw this out as kind of a I'm making an assumption. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. That a lot of that does have to do with the stability of the environment that I yes. was in, the yes. the conversations that you know all of that. How important. Are those factors, those family oh. factors to our kids in combating these lies? Oh, absolutely. A solid family. And, you know, a single mom can be a solid family for kids. So, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. our preference is a mom and dad who revel in their marriage. They they just demonstrate love in front of their kids. Um, that doesn't always work out, but that would be ideal. And yeah, conversation, stability, a church, uh, not just church attendance, but you know, a vital attendance. Serving is huge. We we find our gifts when we serve. Leslie, we find our passions when we get outside of ourselves and we can serve our family with chores and teaching a little sister how to play a board game. But we can also serve as a family at the nursing home on the first Saturday of every month. And we can serve our neighbor by raking leaves this fall because she had knee surgery or even she didn't, but we just want to do it because it's easier for us to do it and it's a way to demonstrate love. And your kids feel better about themselves when they serve and they feel like they're an important part of your family. And now they don't want to disappoint you. They don't have a need to change. They feel content and secure in that. So absolutely critically important. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and doing those things together is so powerful. Modeling for your children, looking beyond themselves, looking outside of themselves, and then actually bringing them alongside you to minister to a neighbor who had surgery or to, you know, cut the grass of an elderly friend in your church or whatever it is. All of these ways that you can model for your children and, and just instill in them a looking beyond themselves, it it what I have seen in our own family is it really diminishes your thought of yourself. Not that you not the way that you see yourself, but you don't you aren't obsessed with yourself like is so tempting in a world of so much narcissism and so much focus on self everything. That serving, that looking outside, that actually seeking the good of others rather than seeking your own good all the time, I would imagine is a massive help in overcoming some of these lies too. So true. It's so very true. I love that you stated that. You stated it with passion, which doesn't surprise me. You know, another thing to address, Leslie, that just to make sure people are aware of too, is how important it is that at home we bust the myths there are myths out there that are um, the gay and lesbian lobby and the, the evil one would want to use to persuade children to believe that they are born in the wrong body or that a same sex relationship would be good for them. You know, simple examples would be a boy shouldn't like pink. Well, who wrote that book? And it's, again, it's right. not it's not in the Bible. So we come back to scripture always as our source of truth. But there is a myth that if a boy a boy should not like pink. And if a boy does like pink, maybe he's actually a girl. Now, here's what I would say about that. A boy can like pink. A boy can look good in pink and grandma can buy him a pink shirt. If he wears a pink shirt to school, church or co-op and he is teased about it, he does not ever need to wear it again. That's where I would draw the line. Now, you can teach him to stand up for himself. And absolutely. And he, if he's old enough to say, I just happen to like pink, I am a boy. Look at me. Like yeah. teach him to stand up for himself. But if that's awkward or difficult or stressful, then he wears it at home or he never wears it again. You allow him to wash it and give it away to someone. Uh, the same thing would be true if a, if a boy likes to play with dolls. It doesn't mean that he is a woman. It might mean that his mom is a nurturer and it might mean that he loves being nurtured. And he loves watching his mom hold his baby sister. And he wants, there's nothing wrong with that. Boys go through that. There's nothing wrong with girls liking trucks and girls building with, you know, Legos. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. I have a low voice. I am clearly a female with a low voice. We have to break the myth. Here's another myth. You know, Leslie, you know, I'm 6'1". There, back in the day, you had, men had to be tallest in a relationship, right? And still very much today, it is very rare to find a taller woman dating a shorter man. Right. Like who wrote the book that you can't? And so sometimes when I see a married couple or a couple where the woman is taller, I notice it and think, oh, that's weird. What makes it weird? Why? (laughs) It's just, so do we know the myths? Do we know what makes a male a male and a female a female? I think we do. And oh my goodness. And again, are we modeling that for our kids and making sure that if they're laughed at or embarrassed that we, Talk with them about that pain and rescue them from the misbelief and and talk with them. It's just so important. And we need to know. We need to know. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. And and 
as you were talking, I was just thinking we were my 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 generation. When I was a younger mom, I wasn't bombarded the same way that these young moms are with messaging and opinions and, you know, graphics that are scaring the life out of you all the time. We were able to parent in blissful ignorance in a lot of <laughs> areas. You know, we weren't we didn't have to to assimilate all of these yeah. things. And and so there were a lot of these myths even that we wouldn't have even keyed on. We wouldn't have paid attention to. We would have acknowledged that this is, you know, it could be a phase. It's a growth time. He's playing yeah. with his sister all the time. And so it makes sense that, you know, we weren't we weren't enslaved to all of these things that are now sending off alerts in people's brains and probably, probably making people overreact and overcorrect and deal with things that should never be dealt with at all because of these myths. Oh, that's brilliant. Really, really well stated. And this is why we we can't live in fear. Yes. You know, it, it is really happening. And homeschooling is a wise decision for lots of reasons. Fa- passion on family values and having more discipleship opportunity as a family and using the word of God 24-7 if you want to. There's good reasons to homeschool. It doesn't mean that we should live without an understanding about what's going on with our neighbors. And it doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility to prepare our children for the workplace and for the college dorms and for the the military and for wherever it is that they launch from our homes too. So um, really, really important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Kathy, we are running low on time, but I want you to tell everyone before we go where they can connect with you, where they can get the resources. You have some amazing books that I just ran uh, was it which one? Eight great. I ran eight great smarts down to a friend the other night because she was struggling to understand her child. I'm like, oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, so I ran it down to a young mom just probably a week ago after church on a Sunday. So tell us where they can get some of those resources. Where can they connect with you? And where can they find out where you're going to be speaking? Because I know that you are out and about a lot. So people who would like to actually hear you in person, where can they find out that information? Yeah, that I really appreciate those questions. Unfortunately, our website is not allowing us to update the calendar, so it's not there. We hope to be able to transition that. We are going to be active again on social media. We have been uh, not able to be active there for staffing reasons, but I pray that that will change. And so hopefully we will be announcing dates where I will be available to minister to people. Of course, I love meeting people on the road. Um, our website is CelebrateKids.com. All six of my books are there. All my books are also at Amazon and other strategic places. We do have, like I said, CelebrateKids.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Celebrate Kids Inc. And I would love for them to stop by there. The book that's most relevant to this conversation is the book Five to Thrive, which is a book where I talk about security and identity and belonging and purpose and competence. Why are our children and why are we the way we are? And what does that mean for our future? And then, like you said, other books. And my newest one comes out in November. So I'm excited about that. Well, yay, yay. It's always, always good when something new comes out from you. It's it's Thank worth you. running out and grabbing and uh, diving into immediately. Well, I appreciate that a lot. We are excited to have you join us in Pigeon Forge and Branson next year. Yeah, so invite sure. everyone to see you there for sure. <laughs> oh, I, I will. I, I promote your events just as much as I can. I'm excited about the new Branson opportunity. Really appreciate you and David, you know, just reaching out and wanting to do more for the people. So thank you for what you do. 
we're excited to get back in that area. We had a Rogers event for a long yeah. time and we're very excited to get back to the Midwest. So, well, Dr. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your heart and so much wisdom and great. I made a ton of notes. I'm excited to go back and kind of listen again, think through this stuff a little bit more deeply. Thank you very much, Leslie. And to everyone else, thank you all for joining us today. I am confident that this has been an encouragement to you, a help to you. I hope that Dr. Kathy has given you some some cause to stop and think, some some ways to evaluate things, not buying into to lies or myths, not living in fear or or running away from conversations with your children because of fear. We have a great privilege of shepherding the hearts of our children, of actually getting in and building deep relationships with them. And so I encourage you to boldly go into those conversations, pray for wisdom, pray God's word that he will He will make you the mom or dad that you are called to be, but he will also overflow that growth in you into a great foundational faith-building relationship with your children. So I hope you have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm -hmm.